Hi, this is Nicole Williams, and this is Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm your host, Will Rucker, and joining me today is a very, very, very special guest. She's becoming a fast friend, and I think you are going to be so inspired by what she is bringing to our community, the Las Vegas Valley. Please welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast, Nicole Williams. Hello, Nicole. Hello. How are you doing, Will? You know, I am doing mighty fine. So glad to talk with you now that you've gotten a little sleep. Yes, and I definitely did get that. It feels like just yesterday, though. (laughs) Yeah, so for those that don't know, Nicole puts on a fantastic urban-centered pride. So her event really is, is specifically for people of color, but of course, everyone is welcome. And it's just, you have to be there. So next year, it'll be back here in Las Vegas, but you've got to go because it's really unique. And she just does everything with such excellence and creativity that I said, I've got to bring her on the podcast and I've got to introduce her to the few two or three people in Las Vegas that don't already know her. So Nicole, this just tell us, like, how did you come up with the idea around doing your event and why you chose to do it? Well, um, I chose to do it because definitely having my own marketing agency, it's my job to find holes and niches, target demographics, and see where there is a need um, for a company in, its, in itself. Um, so I also plan and do my own events. And for the last three years, I've been doing pride festivals. And I saw that there was a need for a more cultural um, aspect to be added to the Las Vegas community. Uh, With us being in a city of just awesomeness and the entertainment and capital of the world, it's really easy for the community to kind of get lost in the shuffle. Uh, So with that being said, and just doing the work for the last four years, uh, it was definitely a need for the LGBT community to have a destination place event themed for anybody to come out for our pride in Las Vegas uh, from any walks of life. And, and you just kind of just slid that in. Yeah, because I've got my own marketing company, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's no small feat. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the fact that you're doing this in such a community focus. So the, the pride you dubbed House of Love, is that right? The House of Love is the community event. So the ah. Vegas Pride is the communal house of all events, all themed events that welcomes all. So each event for the festival this year um, was themed off the word house, uh, which is a, a famous word that we know from the ballroom era, you know, uh, going back 
back, back, back to the seventies and all, you know, those days, um, playing off of that. So it's a familiar word. It's homey. It, you know, it's good, good times when people hear the word house, I believe, whether it's house music or a house ball. So all the events were themed off of the word house, house of love, the playhouse, uh, the exotic house. Like we had like everything. I was fortunate enough to be a part of the House of Love community event, which was so special because you didn't just provide resources. You had a job fair on site. You had inspirational speakers. You brought community members and elected officials and I mean, the entire spectrum to really bring everyone together because your your House of Vegas, the actual pride event, people from all over the country came to that but the community fair was specifically for Las Vegas. And it's done specifically that way. So when I, when I planned the festival, I learned through doing it that it needs to be separate. Um, it's always a welcoming aspect to the, the festival goers. However, I do remember it is Las Vegas and um, it's 72 hours of nonstop events. So respectfully, um, I don't push them to want to come to the community event because, you know, they have their prize in their own town. So the community house of love event is more so for Las Vegas, bringing our community together and creating that inclusiveness and welcoming all. I wanted to dive a bit deeper. You didn't have to do a community event. The pride was more than enough. You said 72 hours nonstop. So, I mean, that's an endeavor in and of itself. And I've done community resource fairs, and I know the type of work that goes in to get people to show up, show up on time, <laughs> you know, all of those things. And you chose to do both. To me, that says you're thinking bigger than just the business. You're really thinking global community and longevity. Talk a little bit more about that. Well, it's important to have the community event for Pride. Um, with with the history of discrimination and prejudice within the community, um, sometimes we don't feel comfortable going to certain places or even like like you said, a job fair or feeling like, oh, well, they're going to accept me, you know, if I apply for this. So there's some I feel like there's still some insecurities and some things that we're working through um, with our allies that I feel like it's it's for our community to have a resource fair that is themed with pride. So, you know, that anybody and all that are at the community event are for and our allies are already in the community that you can meet somebody in a more business sense and a more communal sense to where those connections can happen locally. Because a lot of times, a lot of people don't know uh, other individuals here in the city. A lot of people, it's a transient town. So people are alone. So it's a place for people to come meet. And that's the goal to grow it to where um, people will be able to meet and greet and then receive the resources from our allies that are open to a transgender applying or, you know, a lesbian applying that you, or a person with, you know, just are okay with, with how they look and how they feel and not feel uncomfortable in those types of spaces. So it was very important to keep that aspect. Just like your event, people from all over the, literally all over the world watch this podcast. So some are probably sitting here thinking, why would they need that in Las Vegas? It's, you know, Sin City, everything's acceptable in Vegas. Why do we still need that here in 2021? Well, one, I grew up here in Las Vegas and we are a city and a town just like anybody else that has the same things. And just going back to where um, we kind of get lost in the shuffle that we're the place where you just, you come and you, you lose yourself. 
but no, there's real family here. My, you know, my mom retired here from Nellis Air Force Base. And, you know, I came here at a very young age and um, our community is really small, but it, um, you still need to gel that togetherness because we don't go on the strip all the time. You know, we, we have our, our regular lives to live and it's no different from any other town. So um, it's important uh, that people like us continue to do the work to add that. Um, because it's very far between why people move here. Um, but uh, our community workers are very strong and mighty um, here in Las Vegas, and we work together, and I'm very proud to be a part of that. Because when we call, we all come together, you know, for each other and say, all right, all right, Nicole, I'll be there. And I'm appreciative of that, you know, that we're phone calls away. So I feel like we're kind of like a small town in a sense. Yeah, that's what surprised me the most when I moved here. I am basically a native now because I've been here for seven years. But when I first moved, I didn't realize how small this place really is. We've got three major cities, Henderson, Las Vegas, and North Las Vegas. And even then with those three cities, they are so interconnected that, I mean, you're three degrees of separation from everyone. You know, most people are like, yeah, you're six degrees. No, in Vegas, it's like three, maybe two. Uh, and that's just really the way that we, we operate. But with that, the other thing I noticed is we do seem to be a bit behind as a community, uh, socially and with our technology. If you take the strip out of the equation, we really are kind of a small town still, growing very, very fast. But it's hard to keep up from an infrastructure standpoint with the type of growth we're having from a people standpoint. And I don't know that everyone really recognizes how hard that can be and speci specifically for marginalized community like the lgbtq plus community i heard you speaking once and you mentioned that sometimes people even on the strip still encounter issues where they feel afraid or unsafe what could we do as a community to help make that be eradicated completely where it doesn't matter where you are when you're there you feel safe whoever you are um, that's like a, definitely a unpeeled onion. Uh, as I always say, you know, with the platform that I like to be on is more of a larger scale. I'm obsessed with doing large events, um, multiply in, in multiple days. But what I do encourage my promoters, uh, volunteers, employees that work with me during the festival and community partners is that I literally beg them to keep doing events on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, um, keep them diverse and work together to where it's not so much of feeling like a competition. Um, I used to be a part of the motorcycle world. And one of the most important things I, I took from that being on um, part of a national chapter is that there was like coalitions. So on a local level, the national presidents would talk from all the chapters and they would schedule their annuals respectfully so everybody can have theirs and not feel like you're stepping on anybody's toes. So my mission is to take that and operate it as such, you know, as House of Vegas Pride and even Las Vegas Pride are the cell, the city for a more larger scale that operates to help the entertainment tourism industry for the city that locally promoters and community workers should keep it going because without that, that doesn't, that, that helps me because you're bringing in people to the city that need to have somewhere to go. 
and there's groups on Facebook, all kinds of, you know, I'm like probably 20, you know, LGBTQ groups and we're posting and they're looking for things to do. And I'm constantly campaigning, like, can somebody like, you know, keep, keep the industry going. And that's, what's important is that respecting each other, that we are a small town to work together as a group, um, just to keep things going on a, on a weekly annual and community basis so that it, it, it can become bigger and larger and people don't look at Vegas like, oh, there's no gay community um, to where it'll start to get known and then it'll catch on and we'll probably have some things on the strip just like it took hip hop, you know, into the 2000s to get a residency, you know, it's the same thing. It's just, you know, it's just evolvement. But we as the people have to make it, make the evolvement work in order for it to get noticed. So the more people involved, the more people doing the work, the better chances for us to create more of a community for ourselves. So it's what I'm hearing is getting to know people, bringing people together, giving them a chance to see each other, to interact is really how you see this evolving and also being respectful of the fact that we are diverse and different people have their own endeavors. And so instead of competing, trying to be more collaborative, is, is that right? Mundo. That's yeah. the key to it. We have to work together at the end of the day. Um, separation is not what this world is for. Nobody came to this earth to be alone. And in our community, you have so many people that are and that are looking and moving to Vegas because they think there's something here and they don't find it. You know, I hear it in groups all the time. So that's what keeps me going. Um, I share what I can. I work with who I can because I, I don't. I don't have the time to do something weekly or monthly. I'm working on doing a monthly event, but I support anybody and everybody that's doing something, no matter what color, age, or that they see it so that we can start getting people involved. As a female, you faced a unique intersection of bias and prejudice. And so the fact that you are pulling off the level of events that you're doing is a testament to not only your skill, but your character and your fortitude. The other part of this equation with what you're doing is you have also been invited by others to their stages because of what you're presenting. Can you tell us a little bit about how you are pulling that off? Well, um, the toughness comes from, I'll say this, uh, you know, I've been in this work for 15 years. Um, I, I was groomed by men, <laughs> you know, down South, you know, the, the, the entertainment hip hop industry is not exactly the nicest. Um, so early on, I used to cry a lot and deal with, you know, the, the prejudice and the cat calling and not taking me seriously as a graphic designer and event planner. Like, Oh girl, I want your number. No, I, I want to be your flyer. They're like, nah, you know, take your date. and they, they told me early on, like, when I, you know, they were saying that like, you are going to get that. So deal with it. You know, it's going to happen. So stop crying. If this is what you want to do, you got to toughen up and demand your respect. So um, luckily to have that kind of, you know, friends and mentorship of business partners early on to, with that. Um, so I just carried little bits of my lessons through my journey of my life uh, to come to this point to where, like I said, again, it comes back to togetherness. Uh, when I met Las Vegas Pride, when, when I did my first Pride in 2018, 
you know, everybody in the community is like, oh, they're competing. They, they don't want you around and da, 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 you're doing it the same weekend. Um, saw them at an aviators game in 2019. Um, it was the pride night. And they were like whispering like, oh, they're over there. Should we, should we go and talk to them? I'm like, I'm going to go introduce myself and I'm going to fill them out for me. And at that table was Brady McGill, the president of Las Vegas Pride. And he couldn't have been the most nicest, open, warming, already knew who we were, person, and was open to helping. Um, and knew that there was um, a missing link that just they, you know, couldn't really capture all the way because of the lack of um, our people on the board and involved the people of color and our culture um, involved with Las Vegas Pride, you know? So it's not, I don't blame any, I'm not blaming them, you know, it's just that we have to be involved if we want to be heard. So instead of um, trying to come together, like, you know, work with Las Vegas Pride, they respected my space of having my own cultural events and said, okay, well, you can take care of this sector and we'll do this and we'll work together and we support each other. And it was just like that. It was never an issue. And, you know, just by working with each other and developing our relationships and learning each other, just over the past four years, it's just gotten stronger. The bond has gotten better and the trust is now there to where now I, I have the, the cultural urban stage for five hours instead of two, you know, and they, yeah. And they, you know, they, they help with the sponsorship. They help cover my costs for, for the, for the flow and, you know, and help me put up my headliners in the hotels for their, for their festival. So we really do work together to make sure that we are representing the Las Vegas community and also respecting that we are a tourism town and we're all here to make sure that guests that come to Las Vegas are having a good time. So I'm very grateful for their community partnership. Here's what I just heard you say. It wasn't that there was prejudice or uh, resistance to including, including the urban community. It was, we weren't present yet. And once we made that connection, magic is happening. It, that's so important for people to hear. And, that, and that's what it is. And it's all in perspective. A lot of people will look at it like, oh, well, they don't have black people there. They don't have hip hop urban events. Well, are you going to the board meetings and voicing that? Are you showing up and saying what you wanted them to do or suggesting things because they have monthly public meetings? You know, so I'm I'm here to represent that and open that up to where, you know, people know that that's there. And, and on the other side, might have not even known you know, unless we do the research. So I just want to be a vessel and a voice and a resource of letting everybody know all that's here in Las Vegas for everybody. We already have everything we need. We just need to be present. Karen Armstrong is quoted as saying that a compassionate community is an uncomfortable community. And the spirit of what that means is you don't ignore the issues that are there. You actually do address them. Sometimes compassion can be seen as soft or, uh, you know, kind of just something that's there is like mushy, but doesn't actually do anything. No compassion takes action. It, it's the, the spirit of moving uh, to alleviate suffering. It's, it's that desire. And so desire leads to action. And that's what I heard in your stories. You, you took action and said, hey, let's talk. And a little bit of fear probably, you know, well, are they going to respond or um, how is this going to turn out? But you did it. And, you know, and actually now I'm thinking about now that I know you a little better. I don't think there was any fear in that <laughs> for you, you know but what? others may. 
The fear comes from actually, um, and I won't go too deep, but just making sure that I have everything I need, that the doors are going to open, that I don't have any surprise pop-up visits, just like with any business, you know, that the fire department comes in and says, oh, you, you have a chair over there that's blocking an entrance, you know, you know, so you have those fears of just making sure that you have your business in place and taking care of on, on that scale that your doors can open. That's what gave me anxiety. <laughs> I'm yeah. more so like, I, I love doing the work. I love creating and, and pulling it all together. I'm already working on next year and pretty much ready for my launch almost. But um, it's the fear of that door opening because if that door don't open, that means you have to cancel. That's it. That one little thing and making sure that you have everything in place can jeopardize a whole string of things that you can't have it. I'm not worried about who comes. I'm not worried about how much money I make. Um, whoever comes to that door is, is meant to be there. And it's, and it's my responsibility to create an experience for those who want to participate in that. I never want anybody inside of the festival that doesn't want to be there. I never want anybody around me personally that doesn't want to be around what I'm doing and creating. So I'm never worried about the numbers. It's just making sure that the production is top notch and I have things in place. So the few people that do come, don't bash me online. Everybody leaves happy. Everybody's creating a memory. And that's what the most important thing with doing this one at the Artisan coming out of a pandemic and creating a more homey feel to where, yeah, we're having all the events in one place. However, you're going to meet new people. You're going to you're staying at the hotel. You're we have suites with pop-up shops and all these other things that people didn't even know was going on for the weekend. It was like a fun house. So um, I was really happy about um, how that, but that's, is my fear is always making sure the door opens so that we can have the actual event. I heard two big things in that that I want to highlight. One is you are focused on the experience. You, you have the end in mind in the entire process. And I think that's so important. So as we design our economy, what is the, the purpose of an economy? What is the end goal? Well, economies are here to serve people. People aren't here to serve the economy. So that's just a little tidbit. We're not here to talk about economics. But the yeah, other thing that I yeah, heard- on Facebook yesterday in a group, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that I heard was really around systems and how interconnected everything is. You use the example of a door being blocked could shut the entire thing down. And I think that if we, we look at that from a people-centered perspective, if one person isn't doing what they are designed to do, or if something is hindering just one person, the entire system itself can be shut down and will not function. If it's not all the way shut down, it won't function at the level that it should or could. So there's power in just one. Yes. And I definitely did understand that wholeheartedly um, this year, the pressure, um, because when you find a need or a niche, it can either fizzle or it can just ignite and just take off. And this one took off a little faster than, <laughs> um, than I anticipated for growth. Um, so I did endure a little growing pains of that I wasn't projectingly ready to do this year. Um, but I fought through it to make it happen just for that. It's just like, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm going to say I'm responsible for something, um, I like to always keep my word on what I say I'm at least going to do at the bare minimum. Uh, but 
the add-ons just got bigger, bigger and bigger. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I, I don't know. What, but okay, let me figure it out. And, you know, and God provided a way every step of the way when I thought that I was done. Like there was times where I just was like, it's not going to happen. I just need to stop. I mean, like, you know, it's like, it's not all glory and I'm not perfect, but I have those moments and an angel just always come, you know, somebody that was doing the work with me that I didn't know that was back there cheering me on or heard me whispering and talking to somebody else and said, Hey, I heard blah, 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 blah. You know, do you, do you need some help or do you need this? And what can I do? It was a lot of that. It was a lot of people that I didn't know was listening when I wasn't trying to be heard, you know? Um, so I'm very appreciative to those silent um, supporters and as well as the ones that were out front supporting too as well. But it all worked um, in a sense to where I didn't do this alone at all. I was just there to just keep it going and, and, and be the warrior that I needed to be for the time frame. Um, but it definitely, um, I was appreciative of the people that did believe in my, my vision and helped me by any cost, like to see it through. And you showed that the whole weekend, your, your graciousness to everyone. And, and when I lack sleep, I'm not quite as gracious as I like to be, but you just, I mean, you held it together and you, you rolled with it like water, like whatever's coming, whatever changes we got to make, let's do it. You know, um, at the community fair, we had a, a small issue that erupted, right? Um, but oh, you just yeah. said, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? You know, and roll through it and um, literally just yeah you know so it's great i i enjoyed it it was funny because i um i literally because i mean nine events in um three days is is no tall feat even though the charitable aspect of it that you know the the nonprofits that were involved were managing their own events um it was just a lot of talking and i woke up that sunday um i got some rest with no voice um for the community house of love event and I thanked God that I, I hired a host um, because usually I would do the hosting for that. But I said, no, you know, Nicole, you know, step back. But man, I, I was happy that I was talking the way I was talking once I got there because it was completely gone. I'm like, oh, my God, oh my God. <laughs> we had the after hours that started. I had an event that started at 2 a.m. and ended at 6 a.m. before. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah it was definitely intense but i i love it and when you're in it you know you all you have to do is just put out the fires and keep going and and keep people calm and just go with the flow you, you can't do anything now you're, you're in it so there's no reason to to fuss the doors are open you know that's mm -hmm. always is my main goal <laughs> I was teasing you before we started recording and saying to be in the profession you're in, you got to be a little crazy. You got to be a little out there to, to even consider it. Tell us the story about the uh, reunion. So um, shout out to Clark High School. That is, I, I did graduate from Clark High out here in Vegas. Um, I'm actually planning our class reunion and um, I begged them to wait uh, just a little bit for me to get revved up on it because I started both pride and the reunion at the same time. Um, but they're seeing me work how I work, you know, they know me from high school, but you know, in our, our committee group, um, they're getting inboxes of things at like three o'clock in the morning and two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock. And I'm like, you don't have to respond. And 
one of the committee members uh, was like, why are you still up? And I'm like, well, you know, things need to get done. And um, he, he couldn't believe that I was still up. And I told him, I was like, well, you said the same thing. I was like, you, you have to be a little, um, I said, I'm a little baddie, you know, right. and I said, LOL. <laughs> so like, just don't mind me with it. But um, it's cool. Uh, the, this is another event that started out just my class reunion, but because of the pandemic, um, we're adding uh, another class to that. Um, so I'm doing two reunions in one and working with two classes to make sure that it's memorable for everybody. So that's two yearbooks and two cheerleading squads, like, you know, and the two classes and stuff and um, separating it out, but still making feel like we're all together. But the great thing about it was, is that Clark was, I went to the magnet program and we were all pretty much close. So it's kind of cool. Um, that we're all going to be together and it's, it's been great, but yeah, it's, it's been nonstop. I have this and then, um, October pride festival, the eighth and ninth with Las Vegas pride stage and two after parties and, you know, creating that sense of community when I was just only supposed to do the parade in the, in the stage. <laughs> my, uh, my, one of my business partners is like, uh, no, nah, we're going to do, uh, some after parties and some, you know, community was like, no, nah, we need to do we need to add some stuff to it. And I'm like, you know what? And that's what I need them for. Cause I'll be like, Oh no, this is enough. They're like, no, Nicole, let's go. Like, let's, let's do it. And we start adding on to it. And, and I, I, I do my best to hire strictly from the LGBT community. So like the DJs, the artists, um, throw in some allies that are supportive and, and are popular within our community. Um, but it's going to be a great weekend. Let me ask you this, and then we'll we'll move on to a couple of my my surprise questions I didn't tell you about. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you sit in a very important role with a very important organization. You are the LGBTQIA plus chair. Um, tell us about that. Oh, I am the co-chair to the National Action Network for the LGBT community for the Las Vegas chapter here. Um, NAN is an organization that was founded by uh, Reverend Al Sharpton. And the unique thing about Reverend Sharpton is that he is inclusive when it comes to his mindset on um, fighting for justice and, and against prejudice and racism. Um, his uh, model comes from Martin Luther King. Um, and if we, if we go back in the history of Martin Luther King, when he was um, an advocate in the community fighting for our rights in the civil rights era, um, he had uh, people from the LGBTQIA um, on his committee and as uh, advisors, and he was open. Um, a lot of people don't know back, uh, back then too as well, during the Stonewall um, riots, the Black Panther Party was also a part of that fight uh, when the injustice was, was being done. Um, so with Reverend Al Sharpton, with him being there during those times, um, I respect him wholeheartedly for still keeping that same model from what truly was happening back then that we were present and we were all present for each other, uh, people of color um, with, with our rights. Um, it's very important for me uh, to as well, and I will speak openly and freely because I do feel like it is an issue within our community. And I, call, I always call this out. We, um, we separate each other through the sex and prejudice through um, between being gay and black and the things that are happening. And I feel like we are um, hurting ourselves because our numbers are actually larger as far as the murders and the no names and things that are happening. And because 
we're still working on how that looks like for us to be inclusive, to come together, to fight for our rights as African-Americans, no matter our sexual preference, we are doing ourselves a disjustice. So I speak very public on that, that that is my overall goal to, to, to stop seeing sexual preference and see that, you know, we are all people of color that are going through the same things. And we need to get back to how it was during the civil rights era um, when they were actually helping and assisting each other. Not sure when it, when it kind of fell, uh, you know, but, and I don't know too much because I'm not from, all, from that, but I do know that we could be doing a better job as a community with um, fighting for all of our rights and not just what we think is right. Um, so uh, the NAN helps me to communicate the messaging to Reverend Al Sharpton uh, because the, the LGBTQIA chapter is national. And so my reports go straight to the national chapter and to Reverend Al Sharpton for the work that we're doing out here in Las Vegas. And I make sure and let him know everything that we're doing. I, I just wanted to highlight that and you touched on a couple of things. Thank you for bringing them into the conversation. Yeah, I got um, kind of long with it. I'm sorry, but it's really passionate to me. No, it, it was great. and It wasn't long at all. Um, but in my experience as a African-American male who is gay, I also feel uncomfortable in African-American spaces because of that. And a lot of people don't know who was with Dr. King in the fight. And a lot of people don't understand, like, no, we've been around. We've been doing this together. So why are we still hating each other? Why are we still making it harder for each other? Why are we making, you know, another minority group feel like an outside group, not just a minority? So uh, I'm so glad that you're giving voice to our issues and being present uh, because that's what, again, makes a difference. You're bridging these various sectors in our community together. So entertainment with activism, with politics. I mean, you're, you are really, I'm just going to dub you like the connector or something because it, it's phenomenal. Thank you. I appreciate it. I just, you know, you don't know, if you don't know what's out there, how can you have an opinion? How can you have a judgment? So I make sure to keep it very open to where anybody can come. So they can, nobody can ever come back and say, well, I didn't know it's there, you know? you know, get up and come out, you know, let, let, let's support each other. Let's not just support each other when we feel like it's needed for, for whatever reason, for your, your business or whatever, like we need to be here all the time for each other. So, um, I will continue that fight and everybody knows, you know, um, my mom said for national daughters day yesterday said, um, she's not about that lip service. Uh, she's about that action, but I found it kind of funny because I like to voice my opinion and I am about that lip service because at the end of the day, I will always speak my truth with no fear. You, you know, if you don't like it, then okay, that's fine. Respectfully. We, we don't have to be on that level yet, but I'm always going to feel comfortable to speak um, as that want that person to as well. Cause we're all different, you know, so it's, 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 it's needed. I want to learn from you just as much as you want to learn from me. Yeah. And, and speaking up is so critical. They go hand in hand with the, again, with minority communities, sometimes you'll get the question, well, why do you need a gay pride? Which, you know, that's a whole nother podcast episode, right? Mm -hmm. But you'll get, why do you need a black pride? Why do you need this? And the thing that I, I try to help people understand is it's not about 
supremacy. It's not about we want to be overlords of anyone else. It's that we haven't found representation in the mainstream. And so, so that we can see ourselves and take pride in ourselves instead of being demeaned. That's where these events and these communities come from. The goal isn't to have you know, a gay pride be needed. It's, it's needed because it wasn't existing, that we, we weren't accepted. We weren't allowed to be in those spaces. We were oppressed. Same with African-Americans and other minority groups. It's the same exact concept. The reason there's a black entertainment television is because on just entertainment television, there weren't any blacks. So, you know, I just try to throw that in compassionately. Mm -hmm. And I remember that, too, as a kid. I remember I used to watch MTV all the time and knew all the rock bands and stuff. But I knew my father and, you know, my mother, they always had the barbecues and played the music, the records. But as a kid, I only thought that the R&B and hip hop was on the record player and, you know, the tapes. So it's not like I didn't know it. Like I, I'm a total hip hop head. I didn't know there was music videos, you know? So when I found BET and um, I just lost my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is, this is a kid in play has a video to two hype? Like what? <laughs> you took it back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's like when you, it's like when you think about it, it's not so much like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't listen to hip hop or urban music. No, I just didn't know that we were making music videos and we were doing that. I just heard the records and the player, you know, and the CDs and stuff. So um, it's good. It's good to have representation. You know, without that, you know, we can't evolve and be who we are. And, you know, Water Seeks is on level. I love BET, Video Soul, and, you know, all that stuff. Like, and it actually helped me to understand who I am today because I love music and entertainment. You know, I always say in my next life, I'm going to be a DJ. Uh, (laughs) I love music that much. And, and going back to the experience with pride, um, that's very much important to me. You know, my DJs, the, the, the artists, the hosts, everything has to theme together. I just don't throw people in and be like, yo, let me get on the stage. No, we're not doing that. You know, it has to make sense. So I'm talking to people. I'm vibing with you. Are you on the same energy as me? And are you for the community? That is something I had to learn this year. That was a, ugh, that was a, a tough le- lesson this year, understanding levels of support of the community. Um, mm. So um, I'm going to definitely take that more to heart um, this next year, um, that you are in support of doing community work because that's important to me. And if that's not important to you, then that throws my whole thing off when we're just talking dollars. Like I no, I need you to understand why I, I do certain things and I'm a nonprofit, you know, cause you have people that come over and want to capitalize off of our community. And that's not what, what this is for. You know, mm-hmm. so I like for everybody's vibe to be on the same. So um, that's important as well. So it's like you're playing a, a concert, you know, for the weekend. So, but yeah, I, I do understand that one. <laughs> that, that, I mean, you just kind of dropped the bomb there for just a moment. Yeah, you know. You know right? <laughs> yeah. but- Let me ask this. If there was a song or, um, you know, even maybe an album that represents to you the true spirit of Vegas, not necessarily, you know, the, the challenges we're growing through, but the Vegas that you see us that we could become, what would that song be for you? Holy Hannah. 
So it's so funny. My girlfriend just asked me what song would I dance to, um, dance to because we're going to a wedding and that's what the bride asked us to. And I was on pause for like five minutes. Like, please, babe, don't hang up. I'm going to think of something. Um, (laughs) I'm going to answer honestly because I, and and it's not going to be a LGBTQ type of what's for the community answer. Um, I used to work for a really uh, a popular nightclub out on the, on the strip um, here in Las Vegas when um, I got out of college. And there was one song that just would get me hype. And it's probably like, like girl, Nicole, really? Um, it was uh, Diddy's Last Night. Um, and it was with Keisha Cole. And I don't know why, but that song just, it just, to me, that was like, when I was going to the club and going to work, you know, the evening, um, it was like that last night. <laughs> I couldn't even get an answer, you know? So it's like, you know, you're at the club, you're, you know, you're out partying. So that just used to always just vibe with me. Like, like, you know, I want my, my clients and people just to lose themselves for the night get away from your phone, you know, like, and that's the one thing I want people, you know, actually that goes, put away your phones and live in the moment. And that's, that's why, cause I, and that's what I, that's actually truly what I want. I want people to learn how to put their phones away just for a moment and just be in it. So it's probably why I always like that song, but I used to just vibe that song on the way to work. Like, yeah, we about to, you know, have a good time. And, but it's just like, lose yourself for just one second. Not everything needs to be on camera. You know, sometimes this is good to meet a new friend and to be able to talk about it and um, just reminisce, you know, because, you know, we take those videos, those 20 minute videos and stuff. And when do we ever go back to them? When we're clearing out those posts and memes that we don't want anymore, we happen to see, oh, that's when I was at that concert. Let me look at this real quick or whatever, or a throwback Thursday. So living in the moment. And that's what that song represented to me, you know, that it was like a Vegas night where you can just lose yourself so much. I, I, I don't know the song, but thank you for, for oh, sharing kind of the feel of it. Gonna be like, okay. I'm going to send it to you. It's definitely like a song like you had a night last night and you didn't call. Yeah. Like, where are you? At? <laughs> and that's, that's Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And that, that's in the community. That's where the national platform comes to, to where I want to create that for our community, that you mm-hmm. also have the Vegas experience, um, whether you're gay or straight, you come here and resort style living, have those parties, the bottles popping with the sparklers going up, you know what I mean? And feel comfortable that you can see and do what you see on TV, your friends doing, and you might not want to go um, to a straight club, you know, or, or do certain things. And it'd be at affordable, reasonable price too, because Vegas gets kind of pricey. A little bit there. So that's, that's it right there for me. I love it. If you had the magic wand that you could wave and change anything about our city to make it really live up to the hype, so to speak, to really, truly make Las Vegas compassionate, what would that be for you? Well, I think we have the compassion. It's there. You know, we, we're definitely passionate. We definitely show up when we, when we need to. I think we need to always just always have a conscious effort to show up all the time, not just when there's a problem. Um, because we come out, you know, we come out in numbers. Um, but we need just more consistency um, 
to so that we can continue to grow the community in that way um, and not just when there's an issue. Because that goes back again to like if you're wanting the respect of the, the legislation and the government and you know the city officials, you have to show up more so than just not always at um, when there's a problem. So we have our we have our staple um, individuals here in the community, like I said, like that, that show up, they come out, they speak on our behalf. But I think as a whole, you know, there's more power in numbers. So you don't always necessarily have to be that that person that holds that title to feel like you need to go to a city hall meeting. You can just sit in the city hall meeting and just listen to what's going on. I, I listen to Channel 2 all the time, and it's really hilarious half the time, you know, and hearing the stuff that's going on. Um, but just, again, being present and being consistent with that and not just when it's, you know, it's time to get the popcorn. I'm like, ooh, who said what? Let's, let's listen to this board meeting, you know? Hear about what the, the, the construction that's going on, the bills that are being passed, and how, they're, how did we come out of this pandemic the way we did? How did they roll it out, you know? That was important to me on how, we, how were we going to get to concerts and large gatherings, and it was a rollout, and they explained that there, you know? So... Again, everything's there. We just have to take advantage of our resources. And that's, that's one of my, my big like, clarion calls. Please be involved. And, I mean, an elected official is a representative. They represent the people. And we are the people. And if we're not participating in the process, how can they adequately, truly represent us? And we have to show up as our authentic selves, bringing all of our various identity to the table so that everyone's interest is considered and met. So I'm so glad you shared that. So, so glad. Last question. How do you define compassion? By just doing um, what your heart says, Um, going off your first mind and um, not being easily influenced when you think that you need to fit in. do do everything from the heart, even if it's not, a, you know, your heart might be a little, you know, but your <laughs> authentic self, because that's allowing energetically for other things to play out um, the way it should. So no matter how we feel, um, who we love, who we don't love, um, be you. Because we're all here to teach. We're all here to learn. and you showing up as you is helping that next person to, to receive their lesson and their gift in life. So um, just being yourself and, and don't hold back no matter whether, how you feel, you know, it's not always about like, Oh, it needs to be loving and airy. No, you you, if you don't like something or something, you don't agree with somebody, be your authentic self. And that's compassionate. I think we can leave it there. 